All right, we are back, Creative Club Podcast, episode 61. You're here with John Marsh. And today on the show, we have a conversation with Fiona Morris. Fiona is the creator of Start My Cleaning Biz. She is basically building out her whole world, which is very cool, of businesses. She helps business owners to start their own cleaning business. She helps established cleaning business owners to grow their cleaning businesses. She helps uh, businesses to train their cleaners as well. She has a training side to the company. She also does a lot of brand ambassador work. In this episode, we dive into Fiona's backstory, uh, some of the challenges that she has faced in her business journey, and then how she overcame those challenges. Now, just a quick heads up, at around about the four minute mark in this episode, as Fiona shares her backstory, she talks about an incident involving sexual assault. So just a heads up that that's on the way. Enjoy the episode. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Creator Club Podcast. You're here with John Marsh. I'm often told I've lived a thousand lives and I think um, a lot of creators and entrepreneurs that I meet have. Um, So I grew up moving house a lot. Um, We were quite poor. My mum was a single mum and then um, as life evolved, our our family and our home became um, really tumultuous. Um, That's about as much detail as I think we'll go into for today, but it was difficult. And I moved... um, I think that the story is I moved about nine or ten schools in 11 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of my report cards kind of read semester one, welcome to the school, Fiona, I hope you fit in. And semester two is all the best at your new school. And over time, I think I've realised that that's fed into my resilience and my ability to bounce back from things. But it's also felt like for a lifetime I've never belonged. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of my childhood and my growing up. And at 16, I sort of became incredibly rebellious Um pretty common in in kids that have been um you know through some trauma and some difficulties so I got kicked out of school when I was 16 and got given the choice of um either get a job or a trade or study and I couldn't think of anything worse than studying for my life um so I um, went for a chef's apprenticeship a hairdressing apprenticeship and a panel beaters apprenticeship And I got a trial as a chef and on the first day the three of us turned up and we were peeling prawns, um, kilos and kilos and kilos of prawns. My fingers were, if you've ever peeled a lot of prawns, you know, the jabs and Mm -hmm. stuff. So the second day I turned up and one guy turned up and me and the second day was like peeling bags of potatoes. And um, on the third day I was the only one that showed up. So I became an apprentice chef. And I started working. So at 16, I left school or got kicked out and um, became a chef. And so that sort of led down the path of moving out of home and um, going into restaurant management eventually. I was in Sydney and did um, multi, multi-site restaurant management, opened sites up, did training, that sort of thing. And um, Around the age of 21, I had my son. Um, So it was sort of in between um, finishing my chef's apprenticeship, um, which I didn't complete. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not a big completer of things. I notice I just stick with things long enough to be great at it. And then I'm like, that's done. And and never never awesome, but just really great. And so I think um, it's been able to give me loads of experiences because I've never really felt like I needed to stay. Um, I don't know if that's like the moving around thing. But um, at 21, I had my son. And he was just an amazing blessing, but I'm from a really strict, strict Christian background. So um, it also meant that I was pretty alone um, again and all of a sudden without that Mm. um, family structure and without the church structure around me. Um, 
And so I, I journeyed through and at the age of 24, I think the occurrence that impacted me as a woman um, happened. And at 24, I was invited out on my first date. And um, it was by a guy that owned a service station near me and I'd come in off a night out with some girlfriends and he just thought I was the most gorgeous thing that he'd ever seen in the world. And he asked me out and we went out for for dinner and drinks and um, we picked up a friend of his and we, you know, it was really small towns. Everyone kind of knew each other and there was no Where weirdness. Was this? this is in Cessnock. Yeah. Yeah, in Cessnock. I'd, I'd lived in Cessnock for a while with my son and so we um, dropped his friend off and we went back to his house and he had cooked this amazing like um, Pakistani meal and the, the, the aromas just filled my nose. Mm. And so um, we were just having a lovely time and I had um, half an orange juice and um, got to the bathroom and that's when I realised I was in really big trouble. Um, so I had actually um, very little memory of the remaining evening um, and so I had actually been quite viciously sexually assaulted mm. and um, I woke up the next day to girlfriends knocking on my door because I hadn't turned up to work and it was about two or three o'clock in the afternoon and, and I opened the door and their faces told the story before I felt the pain. Like I didn't mm. actually really fully wake up. Like it was a really dreamy sort of afternoon and I had parked my car half in the driveway, door was open, wallet and handbag on the front seat and I'd just gotten into bed and, and, and gone to bed. And so I was black and blue from head to toe mm. um, with bite marks and that was the start of probably one of the darker times of my life um, where I then just went in and out of numerous, you know, relationships, friendships and toxic times um and what i was manifesting in hindsight right what i was manifesting in the outside world was what was actually happening within me um mm. but i couldn't see it so i shortly after that i moved away i thought that that was a really great solution um was to back up and move away because that's what i'd seen in mm. my life mm. um there was a lot of moving and and you know fresh starts brought fresh beginnings and all of that sort of thing and so i moved to sydney and um that's when i did the the multi-level um, restaurant management. Yeah. And so Sydney was kind of like my first ever adult experience. I was away from my family. I wasn't um, in any form of relationship when I went to Sydney um, and I had to kind of face some stuff. And I remember my two girlfriends at the time who were magical human beings um, were brave enough to say, Fiona, we think you need help. And I was like, I don't need no help. I've never needed help of anyone. And I did. I needed help. So I started my – I think that was actually the first time I was ever introduced to growth of any kind mm. and um, accountability. Um, you know, in my family you didn't speak your weaknesses. You didn't have needs. Um, so I, I started sexual assault counselling and I. Um, it was many, many years before that really actually benefited me. I think it's, it's a time when I wasn't ready – um, for the solution and I thought the solution was just to find a man who would love me and um, I just went from man to man to man. Um, I'd never lived with anyone, moved in with anyone or loved anyone um, until I um, had moved to Sydney and, and fell um, very much in love um, and it was a repeatable cycle so I fell very much out of love after you know that relationship was 
quite toxic and mm. he was cheating on me and things like that. And so I moved back to the Hunter Valley. I moved home. And within a couple of mo- weeks of moving home, I met my husband and we had moved in together two or three weeks later and I was a mum of four overnight. Wow. Yeah. So that's like the growing up, yeah. the evolution of how I landed in the Hunter Valley as a business owner. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been – so that was 2013 and the mining downturn had just hit. And so my husband and I, I had the opportunity to start a cleaning franchise and um, we just saw on Facebook that someone was looking for a cleaner and we thought, how hard can it be? <laughs> Famous last words, everyone. Yeah. Um So we started a cleaning franchise and soon realised that wasn't for us. It was very limiting. Um, And I think we wanted to grow our business as big as we we could and you can't do that in that particular structure. So over the coming years, um, we grew our our business. But what is amazing about business and never ceases to fail me um, is – and it never – It never really dawned on me until this business, till the seven-figure business, that I realised that our businesses are a manifestation of what is happening within us. Mm. Quite simply, if Mm. you're a messed up job, your your business will be. It allows us, it's a mirror, it allows us to see where we're where we're going well it's it shows us the areas of need if we're willing to look um and at the time i wasn't so 35 cleaners in we were in some massive debt and um our money habits our spending habits our money stories um i in hindsight and looking back did not in any way shape or form value myself as a currency I didn't have any form of love towards myself and so um, the anger and negativity from my childhood and from my assault manifested in my relationship as you should love me better Um, you should make me better it's your fault that I feel like this because clearly you're not doing your husbandy job right Mm. and he was kind of feeling the same way towards me and there was this volatility that manifested Um, So I started seeing um, business coaches and life coaches and so we were married for six years and together for nine. So coming into 2016, I started counselling. I wasn't real great at it um, because I I would spit back. I remember my first life coach actually walked up to me at a business networking event and said, hi, my name's Marianne, I think I can help you. And I said, effing doubt it, aren't you a smoker? she's like yes I said well what's someone with an addiction going to teach me and so I was so I wanted to change I just didn't know how how to right so I think I just started and Marianne was so great um she was like do you get that angry and that volatile often in her calm life coachy sort of voice I was like yes she's like I think my program would help just come to my free thing and I went to her free thing and I, I joined her program and it was really wonderful. And um, she's since been a guest expert in oh, our cool. program, which yeah. is really cool. That's great. Um, which is so great. And um, so I started that program and I had a look at some of the things that I needed to do. And I started to um, have very, very small baby steps towards that discovering the lovable me. And it started with her saying to me, I want you to stand in front of the mirror naked and I want you to say I am lovable I am wonderful I am enough just day in day out but I want you to feel it like I am lovable I am enough I am you know whatever she mantra and I was like Mm. oh god this is such woo woo bull crap 
was like, all right. And so I stood in front of the mirror. I couldn't do it naked. At the time I was about 140 kilos and that was a bit how much, you know, a bit much for me. But I couldn't get through the three sentences. And by, you know, day seven, I was getting through the sentences and I was getting through three or four. Mm. Like, and I was, she was saying to me, I want this 20 times a day and I want it with gusto. And that's probably the discovery of 20. 20 yeah, times cool. a day yeah. that you had to say it. And so that's yeah. a lot, um, especially if you're a business owner and you're burning it at both ends, 12, 16 hour days. So I, I then noticed that when I would say it, I would see my husband. And as lovable was coming alive in me, a new despise had come alive in him hmm. because this awful angry human that he had known for nine years was I am lovable, I am enough, I am amazing. And I could look over and see him go, no, no, you're not. And so that was really tough because you want to be better and you want to grow and you want to heal, but you've left a residue. And my abusiveness that I'd manifested towards his children and towards him um, had deteriorated that relationship beyond return. So when I did finally want to work on the lovable me, unfortunately I was with somebody that didn't, love me anymore Mm. and so I life counseling and business coaching and all that sort of thing I remember clearly the week that my life fell apart this construct and I just want to warn people when you say to the universe I want greatness I want something amazing I want to be a millionaire business owner in order for it to deliver you that the life that you probably have won't exist anymore I wasn't prepared for that. No one gave me that warning. The universe doesn't give you like these disclaimery warnings. So what happened was on the 8th of December, 2017, the ATO froze our business account and the hammer came down on our debt. Mm-hmm. The night before, um, so that was the 8th of December, on the, on the 7th of December, my, my ability to pretend my marriage wasn't over ceased. Mm-hmm. And for someone who was codependent, had no love towards herself and did not think that life existed outside of the love of that man, um, I actually don't know where the mustard seed came from. But I sat on the bed and I remember saying for 10 times in the calmest, most loving, non-psycho wife way I could, you're either taking drugs or you're sleeping with someone. And I remember just over and over again I believe that that's because we like tangible reasons Mm. for why things fall apart and things didn't fall apart because he decided to go back to drugs and wanted to see other people. The things fell apart because they fell apart. But for me, I needed to put a label to it and a tangible. And he said, I'm, I'm taking, you know, I love drugs. I'm a very alternative kind of character and um, I I do want to see other people and I I do want to explore my life. And I just took a breath and I sunk into the stomach area where she had told me to say, I am lovable, I'm beautiful, I'm enough. And I looked at the man that I loved and I, I said, you need to get your shit and move out. <laughs> um, you need to get your things and you need to move into the caravan for now and then um, I'm going to figure out what I'm doing. And I regretted that the second – like the strong Fiona, the the new raw baby bird Fiona that was stronger than she thought, she regretted that instantly. Mm. And I did actually beg for him to come back for nearly 12 months and tell him how much I missed him and I'm very blessed that he he knew the right thing was that we were over. So, so the next day he moved out and that was the day that the ATO 
froze our business account and we had money in another account. So I rang my account and I said, what do I do? He said, well, you need to get an insolvency person involved. Um, Here's someone's number. So we were actually going away for a work Christmas party that weekend. So I had to go and in front of my staff, pretend to kind of be okay. Mm. And in the, in the background, I was like, this is so bad. This is so, so bad. Like this is the worst my life could have ever turned out as. Like I felt so embarrassed and like a failure. And so I rang my mum and she listened and then she said, well, what the F did you expect? And so I had like this moment where I just had to block out everything that was happening and go through some motions. And I think we've all been there. I think I'm not very good at that, um, but I did it. And so we went with, met with the insolvency solicitor. And when your business is going insolvent, you can actually be breaking the law and kind of not know it if you continue to trade. So mm. he laid all the um, options out in front of me and um, I'll go through those for you. So the choices when you get there is obviously administration. So what happens is you hand the keys to your business to an administrator and you no longer own it. They run the bank accounts, they run the day-to-day, they run it all. Um, And you don't get a say after that. You just are unemployed, probably homeless, and you've got to go. He said, go lick your wounds somewhere for six months. Go move in with your mum. Number two is an illegal thing called phoenixing. It's it's a pretty good idea that most business owners Google that and know what it is because you shouldn't do business with somebody who's doing that. Um, and phoenixing is kind of a way of you create two entities. My entity is going bankrupt, so I continue to rack up debt in that end- industry. You know, in that in that ABN or whatever. My daughter or my mother or my son goes and gets another entity, and and we make the money there. We rack up the debt, and then we go insolvent with the debt but the currency has been, you know, the money has been going into this other one. And he said, look, you can do that. People do that. In fact, three cleaning businesses in the Hunter Valley have done that. He said, but it's illegal and I'd prefer not to go to jail. Um, And I I thought, "Hmm, my life can't get any worse except if I was also in jail. Mm. So I was like, yeah, that's not an option. He said, all right, you can trade through. Now, what that means is that you are going to work harder and smarter in the next two to five years than you've ever worked in your life. You're going to commit more to this business than you ever have done before and you will have to do better than you've ever done before. I was like, okay, right now while my marriage is imploded, I was not even getting out of bed, um, let alone being a better businesswoman than I'd been. And I actually didn't think I could be a good businesswoman without my husband by my side. Um, And then he, he said, and... After five years, when you've redeemed yourself, you will give 50% of every cent profit of this business to your husband for the rest of the business's life Mm. because he owns half of it. I was like, okay, tell me what's the next option? He said, the next option is you sell it. He said, now, I wouldn't buy it and I really wouldn't recommend lying to anyone about its its capabilities. You're going to get what you get. I said, okay, so how much is the super debt? And he told me how much the super debt was. And so I said, okay, look, we're going to do all of those except the Phoenix hit. I'm going to engage you, but not right now. I'm going to trade through and I'm going to bust my ass for the next couple of months. But I want to be clear, I want to pay the staff super. 
I'm okay with most people in this world hating me. Um, I hated myself for so long. Mm. But every time I thought about the situation, I, I, it didn't feel right to not attempt to get their entitlements. And when you go into debt with the ATO, they kind of pay it last to first. So I, I did a calculation. I was like, right, the majority of people get their super if I do it this way. So I worked my butt off. I went and got a job. So I was working in the mines and I would literally cry all the way to work, go to work. At the lunchtime, I'd go cry in the toilet. And the people that I worked for, Jen and her husband, wonderful people. Like they still support me now from a distance, but there's no pretending that I wasn't partially useless in that time. So I would get my faculties together for about three hours and I would bust my ass and then I would spend the rest of the time in a black hole. And for anyone that's ever sunk into a black hole, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so you just function on some level, but not on other levels. And by the time we'd been separated about a month, um, the girls were really worried about me. I'd started to drop massive amount of weight, but I looked grey and I looked puffed up. Like I looked like something that had washed up from a, a ship, like a dead fish or something. And so they took me to the doctors and the doctor said, yep, I'll write you a bunch of prescriptions. I can help you sleep. I can help you numb. I can help you. What do you need? Um, basically, you know, anything you need. And I just was given a couple of pills to go home with and it didn't actually do any benefit to me whatsoever. So that's actually when I started the the new life coaching program. And um, that was with Declan Edwards here in, in Newcastle with BU Happiness. And um, I, I realized that medication wasn't helpful to me. It really made me feel worse. So during this time, I worked a job, I ran the cleaning business, I hustled as hard as I could, I paid as many bills as I could, and I started ringing cleaning business owners because what was absolutely intensely amazing to me is the business was profitable. Mm. So it's profitable the whole time, it's just that your yeah. spending was ir- Our irrational. Our spending was out of control, yeah. out of control. Um, I still don't know where a lot of the money went. Um, I think that there were periods of time, like I remember going on a holiday once and taking $10,000 out of the bank and the next week I couldn't make payroll. Um, but we were exhausted and $60,000 went into the bank. So I take 10, like what's the problem? It was naivety, arrogance, um, avoidance, Mm. denial. And there's a way you can do almost mental gymnastics to like – to create ways for it to make, do you know what I mean? To yeah. make sense, to withdraw or to move. Totally. Like you can almost, it sounds weird, but with money, I think you can get into a place where you almost don't see the numbers as they are. You almost see something dif- yeah. different to allow a, yeah. a, a behavior to continue. Totally. I I actually probably haven't thought of it like that until you've sort of brought it to the front. The mental gymnastics is exhausting um and so i think by june 2018 um i had sold the business to someone um i sold it for um basically the super there was a few people that didn't get all of theirs i think it was about an 80 percent and i've actually since reached out to those people so you know if anyone ever listened to a podcast or anything where they like this woman She's now a seven-figure business owner. Um, I went back. It was important for me to make some of those things 
right. Um, and now that I'm thriving, you know, the equivalent is like 20, 30 grand in people's super. It's n- not a problem for me and it feels good. Mm. Um, so the process was the hardest, I think, was selling my business to someone, um, watching the car, you know, watching the family car get repossessed, um, the basics. And I did it alone the entire time I Mm. think the most significant contribution my ex-husband made was about six weeks after we split um he was onto his second girlfriend and I don't think he thought I was at work so he backed a truck up to the house and um we were home and so that was a really big surprise for him but we ended up splitting the stuff and doing all of that so it's a process if anyone's been through divorce having divorcing my business divorcing myself and divorcing my husband all in one go it was Mm. like my life just continued to implode Mm. and deload and disappear every bit of ego every bit of construct everything i designed every plan i had was done um so by june of 2018 i'd applied for bankruptcy i had started working for the man who bought my business so same clients same staff but i was no longer in charge Mm. and so um that was 2018 um so three years, I was in bankruptcy jail. So 2018, 19, 20, 21. Which means effectively you're forced to be either an employee or you can do something else completely, but not yeah, not create something. In you that can't create anything. Yeah. Um, you can't get insurance. Yeah. Um, what was kind of really tough too is I couldn't get JobKeeper or JobSeeker. Yeah. So when COVID hit, I was unemployed. Um, I'm a face-to-face cleaning trainer. So that's my default now is cleaning training. So I actually worked for the man who bought my business. And I tell you what, he was pragmatic and he was incredible with numbers. And I watched him make way more money than me. And I was looking at it going, he's cold, he's unattached. He does not even care about, like, he's not a cleaner. And so it made me realise that at one end of the spectrum was how he operated his business and at the other end of the spectrum was how I had operated my business. And I just paid attention Mm -hmm. and I learnt. Um, And I left there after about 18 months because it was actually the toughest thing in the world to work for someone else, creating that for them when you knew you were capable of it for yourself. Um, So I went back to cleaning training, which I love, and I did that for a couple of years. And then in 2021, I was discharged from bankruptcy. And so leading up to that, someone gave me a call and said, would you come and do some cleaning? And I was like, hell no, I will not be running a cleaning business. And they're like, don't you own a cleaning training company? I was like, oh, start my cleaning biz. It's like a hobby. I created that course in COVID for a friend that couldn't get a job. And like the videos are done in my pajamas, for goodness sake. And she's like, let me know if you're going to change mine. And so I went to a couple of my coaching clients who were running cleaning businesses Mm -hmm. and I realized that if I was going to have credibility in the cleaning space and I was going to run programs for cleaning business owners, then I needed to put my money where my mouth was. And even though my business was a success by profitability measures, it was a raving failure by let's not go bankrupt measures, Mm -hmm. let's not destroy our marriage, let's not ruin our relationship with our children. Let's not do that while we have a business. Mm. So in May of 21, I went and quoted a job and I walked out and I I put myself through my program. 
So I went back to start my cleaning biz. I went through the biz launcher step by step. That day I got an ABN, I got a business cards, I, I tried to get insurance. I did all the things that I put myself through in my, I put myself through my own program and I self-coached myself. And then I realized that I was making the same mistakes again. And I, I saw them so quickly. And so I realized I'd just gone back to being me and I designed this um, business owner in the middle and um, it's Barry Blase. Yeah. And he's just like this character that I've got where I'm not completely out of touch with anything. or I'm not turning emotions off, but I'm like, what would Barry say? Like, is Barry going to like lose his nana over this or is Barry going to be like, hey, don't worry about it. So I did that. I put myself through the program and that it is so hard to imagine that in one year we have accomplished in the businesses what we have. Mm. Um, so the bank balance for me in May 21 was about $400. Like I was working and I would get paid and then I would spend on expenses and the cleaning started to become profitable, but I only had one client. Mm -hmm. um, so we... That was the first client that you quoted for? Yeah. 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 In May. Um, so at the time I was working full time. So I was nights and weekends working on Start My Cleaning Biz. So for the last 12 months, it's been sort of a seven day a week gig. Um, and I remember during the 18, 19, 20, I made a few like really smart moves where I saw opportunities for the future. And at the time I was a face-to-face -face cleaning trainer. So pre-COVID, like 2019 early days, I had, I had said to the companies that I was working for, hey, listen, I feel like we need to go online. Hey, like I have this thing where I just believe we've got to have an online portal. And they thought I was nuts. Mm. And they actually called me a bit of a crazy person at some points in time. And so when the, my contracts all got renewed um, and they were still telling me I was a lunatic, that cleaning training would never go online. And I think the word sweetheart might have been used a couple oh, really? of times. So it did fuel my, I'm a bit pissed off now, right? Um, so I got them to sign that I was a face-to-face -face trainer, which meant anything that I created digitally belonged to me. So I continued to work away for the last couple of years creating demonstration videos. Every time a cleaner asked me a question, I wrote it down. Every time a cleaning business owner asked me a question, I wrote it down. I started cataloging hundreds, if not thousands of questions. So start my cleaning biz was starting to rip in a bit and I joined some online programs and things like that. And in May of this year, the finished product of that 12 months worth of work is I, we were at seven figures. So our, when I say seven figures, our monthly revenue places this year at a seven figure year. Yeah. I think the, the revenue for this year was just over the 800,000 plus my salary. So it just put us over the mill. Yeah. Um, the, the profit was just over 250,000. And we used that to launch the Australian Cleaning Academy. So we now have three online programs. We have Start My Cleaning Biz, which is for people wanting to rock it straight off the ground, starting a cleaning business. And then the coaching is moving over to grow my cleaning biz because people don't Google yeah. Start My Cleaning Biz when they've got one. The cleaning business itself is now at 20 cleaners and it's a standalone seven-figure business, which is so cool for me because 
that's where we create the content. That's where the credibility comes from for my inner worth, mm. um, knowing that I can create that in 12 months. Mm. Um, and so what I'm sort of looking at right now is the launch of the Australian Cleaning Academy, which is the biggest online portal of cleaning training for cleaners. Um, so my start my cleaning biz and grow my cleaning biz clients then put their, their cleaners through yeah. the program. Yeah. Um, and funnily enough, the registered training organizations that thought I was a lunatic have um, started buying the program. Um, so, yeah, it's been a, a huge journey and there's been some really key learnings in mm. there. Um, but that's the end-to-end story. So that that took like 40 minutes by itself. Yeah, yeah. There's so many bits in there. I think um, we'd, need, we'd need like a good three to four hours yeah. I mean, firstly, thank you. Thank you for sharing all you're of You're so it. welcome. Yeah. Um, I didn't know. So if you listen to this, I've known Fiona for a little while. I didn't know the whole story. Yeah. So it's always really nice for me to hear that and, you know, to to understand the backstory and, and how everything evolved and where somebody's come from. Um, the, you know, you mentioned the inner worth thing around having the cleaning business yeah. at the moment. When I look at your, how you show up online, your content, yeah. how you speak to your people, right? Uh, there's also a relevance that I think's really cool. Like it's like, whether it's from cataloging those hundreds of questions or whether it's because you're running that business right now. But I think that there's a ear to the street sort of feeling in the industry that is really hard to develop for people. Like we've been talking a little bit about this inside of Creative Club and some of the calls. It's like the empathy to be able to speak back, speak at, speak to people where they're at, and actually just really like have a have a real conversation with your clients and the people yeah. you're working with. You do it perfectly, right? Like it's just like it's it's like almost without. It, it seems to be just naturally. You yeah. Know, there's no. Um, so I wanted. To, just share that a little bit and see if you wanted to talk about that at all. Cause I know we've spoken a little bit about, you know, your style of speaking off the cuff and yeah. Cu- yeah. So maybe just talk about that. Cause I see it yeah. as a, as a superpower. Yeah. Um, what do, what do you think about that? Is that something that you're aware of? Yeah, actually it's, it's funny. So the first thing I want to talk about is that um, my current superpower is actually the thing I've been criticized for the most in my life. So my superpower, I believe, is being able to take my mess and turn it into my message, mm-hmm. um, but in a way that someone else can learn something. So I, I actually realize now I'm not a business coach. I'm an educator. Mm-hmm. When I actually um, looked back through my school reports recently, I was up for a really big award, award for trainer of the year, and they asked us what our teachers would say about us. And I remember as a kid that I would learn something and then I would be like, hey, John, hey, John, look what I just learned. Look what I can do like I was an expert. Mm. And I remember so many times in my life, people who were close to me be like, oh, you think you're a freaking expert. You only learned how to do that yesterday. I think that there's a real heavy burden on me sometimes that once I learn something, I have to share it. So I feel like when we're creating courses or programs for other people that when we've chosen that as our path, it's almost selfish to put parts of that off limits because you've decided to open that up and you've decided to share it. When you share it and what frame you put it in is important for you, 
but you're, there is never a time that I share that someone doesn't inbox me and say, I needed that today. I needed to hear that. I needed that relevance. It is scary um, because it's come with so much criticism. We tend to do things, we tend to come up with an idea of what we're going to write and the anxiety post lately has probably been the one that's copped a bit of pushback. Um, But I have suffered from anxiety my whole life. I've been medicated for it and I believe that my superpower, which so many people see as confidence and courage, is a muscle. And while I focus on courage and showing up and being brave in the creation of the online business, doing the lives, doing the Instagram, doing all of that thing and evolving the strength of my voice to impact more people, I find my anxiety actually dwindles because I'm not looking at it. Mm. I'm looking at my bravery and my courage. And I believe both of those are muscles. Just like I think there's a strong connection to your story through very small incremental commitment to the boring same old thing every day that grows muscles, right? Yeah. And I don't actually think there's a difference between our physical strength and our emotional strength. And I think that part of that superpower of showing up on Instagram and Facebook and stuff has been your program. Like I I actually can't rave about it enough. If you're a course creator or someone that's putting a program together, this is so unique that it's actually given me such a focus towards the fact that I am my offering. Mm. And if you're a creator and you're not offering your whole self, um, that's that's the main problem. Um, I think the sales now have surprised me. Um, like we used to do, like I do lives and I do this and I do that and I do some email marketing and I do some Facebook stuff and I would sell a couple of courses. But I'll be sitting there on the weekend sunning myself somewhere and caught like cha-ching, 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 all these messages are coming through that we've just sold courses. And first world problem, it's got so annoying, I turn it off now. Um, so thanks for recognizing that superpower, um, but it's practiced. Yeah, um, yeah it's, uh, I want to just also say that I remember when we first spoke, the way it works, like is we first see the business, and I think I even said, when I first spoke to you, oh, like, you know, I sort of scope around and look at your Instagram and you, you try to get the snapshot and then you speak to the business owner. And when you speak to someone who's, uh, for lack of a better word, just really real and also understands what it takes in the business, what they're doing has uh, a work ethic. Like there's a, there's a collection of things and, and straight away, I'm just like, Wow. Okay. This is this is going to. Uh, I remember we spoke about world building very early. I was just like, yeah, your world like this is going to amplify, and you see this, and I see it every once in a while. It's just like uh, a matter of a matter of. It's really time. I re- I said to yeah. you, look, you just you you're off. You're on your like you're already taking. You've already taken yeah. off from what I, think I can you see. You believe that a lot. Like yeah. you believed it, and I was kind of half buying into it. But I was comparing myself to other people in the group going, you know, and I've got a couple of fan moments in the mm. group, you know that. Um, hi, Kate. Um, where I would look at someone like that and I'd look at their world and go, no one's – like my world doesn't have very much interesting in it. But you got me to believe that through the principles and the payoff of that has been – like I'm, I'm going to London in, in March. I'm going to Sweden in a couple mm. of weeks' time and that's as an international brand ambassador for the world's leading vacuum cleaner company mm. in, in the commercial sphere. That came about by doing a beta test of our course for free. Yeah. 
that you actually brought up in a call. Yeah, um, right. So it's incredible that I have a world that people want to be part of. Mm. I love that I'm creating a world that I love and then sharing that story um, and the characters in it. Um, so I'm starting to introduce some cool characters now. Yeah. Someone asked me the other day if I'd spoken to Smart John lately. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So it's people are watching these characters evolve. Yeah. It's like a stage show. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a professional and personal show. Yes, that's right. And it and it's fun. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's the most exciting way to. I think I believe it's the most exciting way to do business because yeah. you have all of a sudden. I was speaking to a, a guy today. And um, all of a sudden, rather than waking up and having sort of a plateau or monotony or, oh, I have to do this again. It's like, what am I, what am I creating? Like, what's the story? Yeah. And if there isn't a story, if you don't have something coming up, you literally just introduce it to the world. So, you go, okay, well, what, what can we put in there yeah. that would be cool? Like, could we become a brand ambassador? Could we do a workshop? Like, yeah. And it almost doesn't matter so much what it is sometimes, but it gives the characters something on the horizon. Yeah. Then you can document that story. Yeah. That becomes content. You can share how you feel through that whole thing. Everyone's now emotionally involved. Yeah. There's your marketing. And yeah. you have this whole thing that's now totally fun yeah. versus like, no, like I've got it. Yeah do content or yeah. whatever yeah so i have no marketing plan yeah um i have no funnel or anything like that um we do have an agency that runs ads or whatever but i i just tapping into what you said there i hear a lot of course creators go um like i haven't created the course yet or um you know how do i go about this and if i could just you know unsolicited advice that has worked for me is do not wait to build your audience or to start creating content I was with someone the other day and she's an amazing woman and I've been on her podcast, but she's waiting till her course is created to start a Facebook group or to do Instagram posts. What I found is that I just kept showing up with wherever I was at at the time. And so if someone would send me a question, I'd do a video on it. And you'll notice that your cohort only have about 200 problems that they've ever got to solve. So if you start following them through their customer journey, you only need to connect with them at each phase. You don't need to connect with 3,000 people and 3,000 different problems. They will actually be, the, you are the solution. You know, it's that one, 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 one person, one problem, one solution. Mm -hmm. You are the solution to those 200 problems with the parts of your story. So um, when I say I don't have a marketing plan, I think the, the, the overall was, you know, still evolving and I think we will have some more goals but the showing up um, and more recently, one of the keys I think that's been a bit transformational in the, tr the actual conversions has been, um, and it's just such a simple thing. I was like, oh, smart, John's so smart, um, was the fact that you did a podcast or you did it at something where you said, you know, smart people read emails and they could be a different audience. So we're assuming that the same people are looking at us in our, you know, I've got 400 in my email list I've got 300 newsletter subscribers I've only got 1200 followers on Instagram but I've created a Facebook group of 1.4k closed group they are not the same people the people that watch me on Instagram are kind of like the influencers the ones that are on TikTok things like that a massive amount of my cohort are just reading the emails mm. so when I started email marketing I started selling more and that was just an amazing um, landing for me so I think 
never stop learning. Don't ever stop doing courses. And, you know, people have over time been like, what are you signing up to now, Fiona? Is this another program? I love programs. Mm. Um, I love being involved in them. Um, I've even been kicked out of one, which I'm super proud of. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it's never, never stop learning. So now I actually go into a room looking for where I'm wrong. I go into a room looking for where I can grow rather than looking where I can demonstrate how great I am or how right I am. Um, I'm listening, got my ear to the ground on what's happening in my world Um, and then just being that little bit more careful about who comes into it. Um, But it's expanding and what I really am humbled by is the – I've always wanted to be an influencer in my ego-driven world and now that I have fallen – deeper into who I am, I want to be influential, mm-hmm. not an influencer. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you keep showing up on all of those mediums and those platforms and finesse that real inner drive, um, the why do you do what you do? And so, someone asked me this week, why do you do what you do? I said, because at the moment I can walk into a room full of cleaners and I can ask two questions and every hand goes up. And those two questions are, who has ever been treated like they are less than by someone because you're a cleaner and they all everyone in the room puts their hand up and their heads go down they sunken and then I say who's ever worked two jobs and still not been able to buy their own home and every hand in the room goes up and I said do we think that we deserve better Mm. because by bringing uniform training to this industry we want to be recognized as a profession we need to behave like one and be educated like one So I'm glad that we're disrupting this industry. I'm glad people hate me now. I'm glad they ruffle their feathers and that they don't like to see when I'm coming Mm. because that's what change looks like. Just like back at Mary Ann where I was so in love with my world that I couldn't believe she could help me and I rejected her. Yeah. And, you know, that's where we're at right now in the cleaning industry, but it's coming around. Yeah. Yeah. Two questions kind of specific because I just want to, I think they could be really helpful for some people. One is the concept, the idea of courses. So there'll be people listening who have, who are coaches, uh, something like that, but they're kind of full or they don't want to work with, they, they're looking for maybe courses. They're looking for something else that's on the side where they're not delivering face to face. But they have a small audience yeah. And I know you said to just go for it anyway, yeah. but they're like, well, there's not that many people. Huh. Um, yeah. How did you like, can you just step us through? Did you just stand up there on the mic and say, Hey, I've got a course to 50 people and, and see yeah. what happens. Like, yeah. could you just kind of like break that down just yeah. so that we can hear what. Okay. So the first one, I, 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 I never created it and then sold it. I really maybe screwed up a little bit. Louise came to me and said, can you teach me how to do a cleaning business? And I said, sure, um, this is what I'm going to charge. And she paid me and I started creating videos. took me two years to finish that. It actually got finished when people bought it. So that's a big motivator if you've got a vision. The biggest mistake I made with that one is I made it too big. Mm. Um, People want bite-sized stuff. Mm. We've got $5 courses. We've got $49 courses, $29.99. I've created things that have cost me twenty or $30,000 and it's been not 
what the consumer wants. I've then created something where I've thrown it together with a buddy and probably our healthy is happy course is a wake up call to any PT, nutrition coach or anyone out there going, oh, I don't know. I pulled Brody from Grit Nutrition aside a few weeks ago and I said, I've got this idea. We're going to do the five pillars, which is what rescued my life. Five pillars, five videos, stretches, nutrition, hydration, put it together. I want it for my members. She came in as a guest expert. We put it together. We've got about 160 on the wait list out of a 400 mailing list. Yeah, wow. Put it together. You know, if you've got something to give, don't discount your genius. Yeah. Don't discount your brilliance. And I remember one of my business coaches once said to me, am I ever going to have to do this task again? Am I ever going to have to explain this concept again? What are macros? What is nutrition? What are the stress receptors in our body? So some of this stuff that I've got Brody to create, she's like, what? I'm like, we are, we are dumb to your message. So you need to make it nice and digestible. So we're going to sell that course for either 59 or 79. And we've got 160 on the wait list and it cost us, I, I think, you know, her component was under a thousand dollars. And I think for me to throw it together might've been a week's work for one of the girls. So, yeah. you know, we're talking maybe a 50 hour project, yeah. but it will be up there forever. Yeah. And if it's no good, use it as a lead magnet, mm. make it better. Um, throw it out for free. You know, what's really good. People are always willing to criticize. So when I put the bond clean course out to 600 odd people, I got so much criticism and I'm dyslexic. So most of it's around spelling and grammar. If you've ever read a post of mine, you know, I'm dyslexic and I don't care. I just keep posting and I edit later. But what happened was people started picking it to pieces. So anytime anyone on the internet criticizes you, look at it and go, can I learn, can I make my program better with that? And then just keep adding to it. But I think the biggest mistake we made is we wait, we wait, Mm. we wait, we wait, we wait. Oh, I'm going to wait till I've got a big audience. You know, I think that's the, that is the big one that I hear. It's bullshit. Like, it's just a rubbish story. It's like saying, oh, I'm going to wait till summer to go to the gym. Mm. Um, It's a lifetime thing. Start making content, start creating lead magnets. And this is another thing that my ego took a bit of a hit from. I spent 20 grand on a mold course, right? I got this expert in and we did it all. Like it's the bigger course. All of the templates were designed by a designer and everyone who bought it has used it and gone on to do productive mold cleans. The people who know me have said to me, Fiona, what happened with that? It just doesn't feel like it's you. Mm. It doesn't feel genuine. I I struggled to watch it because it wasn't me. Yeah. So we've all, we've all done it. Yeah. We've all done yeah, a totally. Those, yeah. Totally. We've done that. Um, <laughs> I've got some, I've got yeah. some great ones as well. Um, so just create it. Yeah. But you know what? If you don't, someone will. Do you mm. think the universe just comes knocking for Fiona to disrupt and change the whole cleaning industry? Uh-uh. Yeah. And I think the other thing too is, uh, it's called brand building by, by selling. So yeah. they define brand as the gut feeling that we have about the personal product. Well, what creates the biggest feeling? The actual transformation of the product. So when you sell the actual course and I buy it, that's going to build brand. That's going to build your audience because I'm going to tell someone. So a lot of times the diamonds that you're looking for, the bigger audience is right under your feet. Put out the course. Then I've got something to share because I bought the course. Hey, I bought this and then more people follow you. Where is it? You know, I think today a lot of it's like people looking for reach, looking for things yeah. to happen to build audience. But really, if you create the thing, yeah. plus those people who do come through that actual offer, 
are emotionally invested, right? Yeah. It's like an actual yeah. shift. Yeah. And don't worry about, like, I know we've talked about metrics and vanity. I I, I can tell you now we're running um, five or six different Facebook ads and we're split testing. We've got our two different kinds of email marketing. We split test all our landing pages. Like I could split the data down to a poof teens and that's bitter than that's smaller than a rat's whisker if anyone needs to know. And it's rubbish. Engagement metrics are kind of like full vanity metrics. I just turn up mm. consistently and one weekend I wanted to pay for my flights to Europe. And so I, I structured my weekend around showing up. And so I did a Friday email, Friday night live, a, a few emails and lives and things over the weekend. I put out an offer and I ran a Facebook ad and it was three and a half thousand dollars of $400 Facebook ads and a bit of my time. It's just experimenting. Mm. Try everything. And when you get it wrong, just be like, oh shit, do you remember when I, you know, such and such. Um, just yet, yeah, I think just keep showing up. The other assumption is we assume we assume a lot about ourselves. We play very, very small. I recently put the, you know, we're at a million dollars now. And so the accountant actually said to me, I've kept the same accountant the whole time. He's a massive help to my business. But he says to me, so Fiona, what's the next goal? And so my my only goal was to get to a million dollars to buy my son a house. So this year I bought a house with a six-figure deposit, didn't put a crink in the armor. And I was like, okay, um, shit. When you start to play bigger and you stop, get out of your own way. Like all those stories that you're running of, oh, I'll wait till I don't know what to do. One of the, the things that I think is that we, we play too small. So I've now said, no, we're going to be a $10 million business. Um, and someone actually said to me the other day, there's businesses, there's 10-year businesses, and there's 100-year businesses. What's your 1,000-year business? And I stopped for a second. I was like, I've never thought about that far. Mm. I've never thought about a legacy. I've never thought about longevity in the vision. And I think it, I expanded into a new level when I realized that if you're going to be around in 100 years, you've got to get your shit together. Mm. Stop making excuses for why you're not showing up. Um, I still get nervous in front of the camera all the time. Like I'll probably have a little cry in the car because it's emotional. I get nervous like everyone else, um, but you can show up and you can expand your business or, or not. Um, so people will be like, oh, I don't know what to say. Well, think about the last problem you self-solved for yourself because you self-soothe, you self-solve, you self-strategize, and there are people out there in your industry that can't do that. And I will tap into my coach for the emotional well-being and the business well-being connection. Um, and then once that's solved... That's it. Mm. I rang you when I had the trolls. My first trolls. I was gutted. I was then excited. I was gutted. <laughs> I, I was like, I these was people excited. hate me. Yeah. And I think I got kicked out of that coaching program that same week. Yeah. And and my my answer to it and my colleagues' answers to it was get a buffer, baby. Like get someone between you and the psychos. And you actually said to me, Fiona, if your vision expands to what I think it's going to. You're going to be on a stage in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people at a trade show or something similar, mm. and there's going to be no buffer. What are you going to say that mm. day? I want you to do this, this, and this. And I think your strategies were, I want you to regulate your emotions. I want you to regulate your nervous system. I want you to think about what's happening for you. You pulled stuff out of your toolbox. I never, ever have to learn that lesson again, mm. but I didn't sit in it with disbelief or what insecurity. I was like, yeah, he's right. 
this is my obligation to me. This is my responsibility to me. And it doesn't matter what they say. Mm. In fact, I'm going to use it for my program. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I started using it that's, in yeah. my email marketing, right? Yeah. So um, that's, yeah, that's a key, I think, to the growth is we are playing so small. You, mm. you know, going bigger. And it doesn't necessarily mean I'll be a $10 million business. Um, but like I'll settle for eight, everyone, at my current profit margins there will be signs that I've hit that, yeah. but we need to expand in every way to to bring that level. Well, I think we leave it there. I Thank think you. that was perfect. Thank I think you. it's gone way over. Oh, has it? I haven't even. <laughs> That's all right. Edit, edit, edit. Yeah. Oh, not too much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, I could go. We could go for a couple more hours, but I think we'll have to do another one at some point. Um, I will put your links in the show notes. And if you're listening, click on those links and connect with Fiona, say hello, check out her work, follow along. And is there anything else you want to let people know about or anything of that nature? I don't necessarily think there's like any sort of key ingredient, but I will say that when we reach a destination or a milestone, I assumed that once I got to like a million and I had already had that in my mind as like an, an end point that I'd feel really successful and I'd feel really great. Like I'd be a different person um, and I'm not. Um, and so I think um, our emotions can play a bit of tricks on us mm. as far as when we should be celebrating victories and when things should feel hard. So what I actually think um, now is that whenever some real hard stuff comes, it's good. Mm. It's helpful. And like that's where you loved that I was, you know, getting all this uh, trolls the online. Trolls, yeah. So um, anything that happens is, is for that lesson. Yeah. Um, it's for you. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode and go back and listen to this one a couple of times take some notes thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode